Last week, I finished up. I talked about the fact you can't have freedom until there is ownership. If God does not own you, you will not be free. Matthew 6.10 says, For your kingdom has come. For your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's telling us this tonight. He says, This is not some futuristic event. Jesus wanted to bring the kingdom of God to earth. He desires to do it through us. Bringing part of His kingdom includes deliverance. I said in Luke 11.20, says, But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That word drive out means to cast, it means to throw out, it means to put, put out, banish, bring forth, produce. It means includes the notion of, of a violence. It includes the one to compel, to one to, de, to depart, to draw out with force, to tear out. The kingdom of God comes when we align ourselves with the Father by means of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the alignment tool. Am I in? The only way I know is if I check with the Holy Spirit. His Word is the measuring stick. His Holy Spirit is the bubble to see if we're level. Surrender to Him, His will, His priorities, His plans, His purpose. That's how we come into divine alignment. When I understand who He is, that's when I truly understand who I am in Him. See, Matthew chapter 16 Peter's talking there, and he's talking with Jesus, and Jesus says to them, He says, Who do men say that I am? Some say Elijah, some say prophets, some say John the Baptist. Then Jesus says to them, But who do you say that I am? And Jesus replied, then Peter pipes up and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's when Jesus replies to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. This was something that God had revealed to him. In verse 18, he says, I tell you the truth, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Was he talking just to Peter? The word there, when he uses you upon, upon this rock, he's talking about in a plural sense. He's saying in a corporate sense. He's saying, upon you. Upon you here tonight. That's where I'm going to build my church. That's what I'm doing in this time. It's not just for Peter. As some would like to say, this is for all of us. It is on this revelation of who He is, this knowledge of who Jesus is, is how the kingdom of God comes. You want to know this mystery of the kingdom? Seek, ask, and knock. You will find Him. He promises that, us that. In that word, he says, he says, I will reveal this to you. He's, he's saying this. He says, son, when he goes back to verse 17 there, he says, for this was not revealed to you by flesh. That word reveal means to uncover, to bring to light. It means that which was hidden away, veiled or obstructed. In that inner, in that inner person, he says, I'm going to make those things clear. Those things that are immaterial, I'm going to make visible. That's what that Greek word means. So he's telling us this. Colossians 1.26 says, The mystery that has been kept hidden for the ages and generation, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. I want you to understand tonight, this revelation is what God is giving us tonight. He's saying it is not just for them. It is for you. It is for you to understand this. When you get a hold of this revelation, you don't need to worry about who you are in Christ. When you understand who He is, that's what will define who you are. 
When you really understand, that's what Peter said. He understood. He goes, I understand who you are. You know what? This wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but it was by the, the presence of God. It was by the Father of God. He says, I am going to show you. I'm going to give you this revelation. Freedom in Christ is not found in self-discovery. Who are you? That's new, that's new age. What I want you to know to this, if you find out who He is, that's how you understand who you are in Christ. Bill Johnson said this. I found this quote in April of 30th of 2013. He says this. He was talking to the Bethel students there, the second year students. He says it's not always important to know that you know who you are as long as you know who you serve. The enemy loves to get us to look at ourselves either in self-criticism or self-discovery. He just wants to keep us from looking towards the Lord. See, I'll tell you tonight, if you understand who God is, if you know how big God is, you don't have to worry about who you are. Because I will tell you this, you serve someone who's got greater authority. Who I am is meek and lowly, but he who he is, he's the great almighty. He says this, he tells this to Peter, he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says this, the enemy's kingdom has been advancing since the sin came into the world. My kingdom will not be overcome by the enemy or the gates of hell. I want you to know tonight, when this was going on, John the Baptist had been beheaded. His kingdom continued. Stephen was stoned. His kingdom continued. James the disciple was beheaded. Kingdom continues. Jesus dies. He throws us the keys. The kingdom continues. I want you to know tonight, grace is not something that sits still. Grace is not a tree. Grace is something that is active and alive. Grace doesn't just sit there and grow. The kingdom of God is advancing. And we are the advancers of the kingdom. Did you hear me tonight? It's not going to happen by us just sitting back. The kingdom of God advances as we advances, as He empowers us to live it, as He empowers us to grow in Him. See, when He talks to Peter here, He says, I give you the keys. This is the one. Here's the slide. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is that corporate I'm talking about. He was saying, listen, that word you there, I will give you. Peter, he's saying in a pearl corporate sense, he says, I'm giving you the power over sickness. I'm giving you the power over, over disease. I'm giving you the power over oppression of the enemy. Why did Jesus do these miracles in the arena that we wanted to see? He wanted to display his power and his authority over the enemy. Freely you have received, freely give. The kingdom of God is the rule of God justifiably exercised on earth as it has always been in heaven. It is not the same thing as heaven. It is not a kingdom that is just in heaven. It is not a kingdom that begins in the future. It starts with God's rule being formed and exercised in you. When He has you, then He can use you. Ownership. See, then He can give you the keys to the kingdom. And what are those keys? His power and His authority. 
Not keys to the king, not keys to the kingdom, but of the kingdom. Jesus had already told them that I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way into the kingdom. It is by me. Don't look for anybody else. Don't be looking out to, to this and that. Don't be looking to Buddhists. Don't be looking to Confucian. Don't be looking to anything else. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You will not get to heaven any other way but by me. I am your source. I am your strength. Don't look for anything else. I will give you what you need. He says this. He says that these keys, a key is a tool to walk into a realm which would normally not be accessible without that key. It gives the carrier, meaning us, the possibility to unlock that which is closed. In other words, it gives him or us the power and authority to do things. These keys were not given to the casual hearer. They were not given to just a passerby. They were not given to those he fed at the 5,000. He didn't give it to those who waved the palm branches. I want you to understand tonight, he only gives that to those of us who are truly disciples of him. If you're just a casual follower of Christ, you don't have keys. I want you to understand that tonight. You might as well not even try to fight the enemy because you don't have the keys. You're, you're doing it on self-power and self-motivation, and that will fail. But you know what? When you have, you're a disciple of Christ. When when you have got the ownership of God, when He has marked you, when He has set you apart, when you are owned by Him, that's when you have power. That's when you have authority. That's when you can walk up to the giants and say, you know what, I can come against you because greater is He that's in me than he that's in this world. Amen. See, when He left, he, put his, he told His disciples this, I'm putting you in charge. It sounds silly. I know weak as we may be, as flawed as we are, He gave the keys to us. He looks for someone. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says His eyes search to and fro, looking to show Himself strong on those whose hearts are made perfect towards Him. I want you to know tonight that God is looking for men and women. He's looking for people. The obscurity. He's looking for those who don't even seem like they matter much. He's saying, you know what? I will use you. I will raise you up and I will do as you as I want. He says, I can raise a nation in a day. I can do the same with you. Right. These keys of the kingdom. I want you to, this is, this is what the Amplified Bible says on this verse. Matthew 16, 19. I want you to read, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. And what you loose, you declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. What he's saying is this, is this. If it's done there, it's, you can say it here. You see what I'm saying? If he's declared it there, this is why the whole name it and claim it gospel is of no use to us. You know why? Because we can't just speak something and make it happen. It's got to already be done in heaven. He says, those things that you can declare that are lawful, those things that have already taken place in heaven, those things you can declare in this realm. It's already encompassed in heaven. We can't just say whatever we want, but we must be in alignment in alignment with heaven. These keys would open doors that have been closed. You have nothing in yourself, but when you carry the presence of God with you, doors are unlocked that once could not be opened. Think about Saul and David. See, the Bible says that Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. Saul was brought about as the people said, we want a king. 
But David came about as God says, I go search for a man who's after my own heart. What I want you to understand, you do it in the flesh, and it's going to be weak. But when you do it, the power of the Spirit of God, the anointing of God, that's where you can, you, it's, it's the ten times factor. It's the ten times factor. It says, David killed his thousands. Uh, David killed his ten thousands, but well, Saul could only kill his thousands. God is saying this, when we stand before God, this encounter, this revelation, this revelation that he has given us, leaves us different. This thing that he told Peter, he says, see, look, God, I am looking for an opportunity to work in you. I am looking for an opening to introduce myself into the natural. The natural mind cannot understand. It is only introduced by the divine. He desires to interject himself by invitation. God wants to bring himself. He wants to work on your behalf. He's looking for the open door. He's looking for the opportunity. You know that mountain before you that looks, un, that un, looks unclimbable, that looks like it can't be moved? He says, listen, I can move that for you. I can do that for you. Just let the Spirit of God work through you. When you truly meet the King, everything changes. My purpose, my goals, my life, all I think about is Him. All I dream about is Him. See, I want you to remember, in the, in the New Testament, there were many people that brushed up against Jesus. Remember the story of the woman who touched the hem of His garment? And they, he, said, he says, someone touched me. And the disciples are like, Jesus, do you understand that there's people all around you? There's crowds. You're bumping into people. There were a lot of people that touched Him. He was bumping into people as He was going through this crowd. But there was one. There was one that when they touched Him, there was an understanding. See, many of us think we just touch Jesus and that's it. No, you know what? We have to get a hold of Him. We have to be desperate, like I said a couple weeks ago, for deliverance. We have to get in that position where, God, I satisfy with nothing else. Nothing less than You will do. These keys are a part of the kingdom. They open doors. They are there to set people free. They are keys to push back the evil one, to drive him out of the lives of people. It is found in his kingdom. The keys of, his, of the kingdom destroy the, eek, the works of the evil one. It's his power and authority. Luke 10, 19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Now this is where some people think that I'm a snake handler. Listen, I don't like snakes. I don't even like garner snakes. And I know they're not even poisonous. I don't like them. They all look like rattlesnakes to me. They all have to die. But what I want you to understand is this. He's given us authority He's given us power and authority in a realm that he... Remember I said last week, it's, it's like Ron, the badge that he puts on. It's not his authority until they empower him. The Tulare County Sheriff's Department says, Hey, you know what? Now I've empowered you to act. And then he can go forth. It's the same thing when God says, Now I've empowered you. You belong to me. I own you. Now you can act on my behalf. This word authority, I hope I have it on there, nope. This word authority means conferred power, delegated empowerment, operating in designated jurisdiction. It means that we can, as we are authorized by faith, He gives us the power to go beyond what we can physically do in and of ourselves.
The word power is the same word that they used in the book of Acts when it said, and this, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Dunamis. That's the kind of power he's talking about here. The kind of power that can change lives. Power means this. Power is dominance, governance, delegation, ability to build up, to place, to stop, and to remove. That's what He's given us. His authority is this, to subdue, conquer, create, and regenerate. See, 1 John 3, 8 says, For the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. The keys of the kingdom that He gives us are for one purpose, to destroy the evil one. He's given us the power to walk in, in, in this realm and say, listen, by nothing, by, by no means will hurt you because you belong to Him. Now, there's two cautions I want to bring about this. We can shut the door. Matthew 23, 13 says, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who enter who are trying to. If we have a self-righteousness, that will keep us, that will keep the keys of the kingdom out of our hands. Number two is this, the favor of God will open doors that you were not meant to go through. I want you to understand tonight, just because you, the, the presence of God is upon you, just because you belong to Him, there are going to be doors that open supernaturally to you, but God is not saying, listen, I don't want you to go through every one of those doors. I still want you to check with me. The Spirit of God is still our guiding force. He's the one that tells us when to move. He's the one that tells us where to go. We don't just enter because a door is open for us. Those doors that get opened by the favor of God are not always meant for us to go through. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 says, And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. Now I want you to know a couple things about the church of Philadelphia. This is the church that I'm going with. I don't know if you guys are going to go with them, but I want you to know that I'm going with this church because of these two things. The Bible says that this church will be saved from the day of the temptation. He's saying, listen, I'm going to rapture this church. So I'm going to tell you guys right now, I don't know where you stand, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going with this church. What they do, I'm going to do. What they say, I'm going to say. What they're doing is what I'm going to do. He says to them, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, I write, He is holy. Who is true? Who has the key of David? Who opens no one will shut. He who shuts, no one opens. Say this, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This church, this is, I want you guys to go home and read it tonight. You start looking at that church. How they live, I want you guys to live. You want to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus? There it is, right there. When the rapture comes, I don't know where you guys are. I'm gone. Okay? There is a rapture coming. I know some of you guys... Are you sure about that, Greg? Yes, I'm sure about it. <laughs> this power and authority that he talks about, Haggai, chapter 2, verse 21. He says, that, Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. The Bible in Hebrew says that that's going to happen once again. I will 
overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and, dry, and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fail, each by the sword of his brother. And on that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shatiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord. See, these keys of the kingdom that God is giving us, they include all the things that He talks about in the New Testament. In, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 14, He says He talks about the gifts of the Spirit. He talks in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruits of the Spirit. I want you to understand tonight, when, when someone had the signet ring of the King, there was a certain amount of authority that they had. When they were wearing that ring, they could go and be a representative, an ambassador for that King. God is telling us today, tonight that this, you, you guys, you are ambassadors of the King. You say to yourself, well, why does it matter what I do? This is why it matters what I do. Because I'm, a, I'm an ambassador of Jesus. See, you can't just go and do what you want to do. You want to know why? Because you, you belong to Him, number one, and you're an ambassador of Him. See, the ambassador of the United States, he can't just go over to Israel and say what he wants to say. He, is, he can only say, and we don't, maybe you like everything we hear coming out of the government right now, but what he says is this. Whatever the president says, that's what he's got to say. He can't just go speak on his own. As an ambassador, we are not speaking on our own. We're speaking what God's telling us to say. We do what He tells us to do. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19-21 says, the fruit, This is the fruits of the flesh. That's what I call it. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you before, that you, those who practice such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. There are two kingdoms that are in opposite, opposite sides here. Those who practice these things, the Bible says that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. These things, these, these things, the fruits of the flesh are not something that we cast out. They are not something that is driven out. They are disciplined out of our lives. See, we open the door to the spiritual realm by doing these things, but they are the outer working of an inner desire that's within us, our flesh. That inward bent or desire to do wrong. These are the pathways and doorways the enemy uses to get in. But these things, he says, in verse, in verse 21 there, he says at the very end, it says, those who practice, that word practice, little word study that says this, means actively performing. Nope, I don't have it there. I thought I did. Those who actively are in the process of performing and accomplishing a deed, implying what is a regular practice or habit. So, he said, so you say, well, you know what, Greg, are you telling me that if I sin, that I'm, 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 I'm already in trouble with these? No. What I'm saying is if you practice these things. I told, I've said it before. We sin, but we don't walk in sin. We sin, but we don't practice sin. Now, do I become a practicer after I've done it a couple times? Yeah. If I lie, and I lie, and I lie, guess what? Now I'm a liar. 
If I lie and then I quickly repent and say, God, forgive me, that's not where I want it to be. Then I'm not a liar. Then I don't belong to, with, those, with those things in, in Galatians chapter 5. God wants to impart His nature into us. That's why He gave us the fruit of the Spirit. It is not simply imparted, but He wants to work it into us. You know, like, ladies, when you're, you're working up some dough and you put eggs and stuff in there, you know, when you're working that dough, that's what He's saying about these fruits of the Spirit. Not the fruits of the flesh. The fruits of the Spirit is what He wants to work into our lives. It is God's nature, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He wants those things worked into our lives. Because as the works of the flesh get evacuated, in behind that comes the fruits of the Spirit to fulfill that. It is God's very nature. It is a part of Him that He wants to put in us. That's, why we become, that's how we become an ambassador as the nature of God becomes more alive in us. We, become, we begin to look like Him. We begin to act like Him. He changes our disposition. Colossians 3.8 says, But now you also need to put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice, and blasphemy. Filthy communications out of your mouth. These things, I'm telling you guys tonight, this, these works of the flesh are not cast out. They are put off. What am I saying there? Well, let's look in Ephesians chapter 4.22. The same word is used there. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. He again says, I want you to put these things off. He didn't say cast them off. He says, I want you to put them off. This is a fleshly desire. Get rid of it. Move it away from you. The same word is used in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where he says, let us lay aside every sin that so easily entangles us. He's telling us, put that off your life. So, I've spent weeks now talking about how the enemy works, how the enemy entangles and how he, he has to be cast off and how we don't, you know, desperate for deliverance and all these areas. Now what I'm telling you is there's another area that we have to work on that says these things of the flesh, I need to cast them off of me. I need to put them off. They aren't cast off like a demon. They aren't just removed or driven out like Jesus did with those who were demonized. He says, listen, these things, I put off that old self. I take that off. I take it off. I put on the garment of praise. I begin to look more like Christ. I begin to put on His nature. He wants to impart His nature into you. These are the keys. There's, there's the word. That, that word it means I lay off, aside, renounce, or stow away, or put off. When He's saying put off, He's saying these things. He's saying you renounce them. You stow them away. You put them off of you. See, obeying God... Is not something we have to do. It's something we get to do because we belong to Him. These are the keys of the kingdom. His power and His authority. He has given it to us tonight. Tonight, guys. Tonight, I want you to know that everything, the Bible says, it says in Peter, that He has given us everything we need. He's given us everything we need for godly life. So there really, there's not going to be an excuse. I want us to understand tonight, when we stand before God at Judgment Day, we're not going to be able to say, but God, you know what, I wasn't, you didn't show me that. 
I will guarantee you this. There is going to be such revelation. There is going to be such revelation when we stand before God. Everything that we do is going to be exposed. Everything is going to be laid bare. We will remember. I was thinking of John Melindy. He's a pastor, an African pastor that he, he, was, he was over there and he was, he was talking about how he had given his life to the cause of being a missionary. And God had revealed it to him how his life, what his heart really looked like, even though he had given himself on the outside. He says, look it, let me show you what you look like on the inside, John. This is what you look like. And he said, he says, I was able to remember things. He goes, I was able to remember getting into a cab and looking at a woman with lust in my heart as though I was right there doing it again. I want us to understand tonight, as we st- there's coming a day when we will be judged, but we put on. As we put on, we, take the, we tear off the flesh and we put on the garment of praise. When we put on the, spirit, the fruits of the Spirit in our life, that is the nature of God. That is something He has given us. He says, I want you to look like me. I've given you my mind. I've given you the mind of Christ. I've given you the full measure of Christ. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you. There will be no excuse. When we stand before God, we will stand before Him, bare, and He's going to say, what did you do with that which I gave you? I gave you everything you needed for godly life. He wants to own us tonight. You know what? This freedom in Christ is truly knowing who He is. When we know who He is, that's when we, you know what? We don't have to be afraid of anything. Pastor Mark said this, well, I think it was last Sunday talked about healing because they're, they're go, in the Nazarene church over there they've been, he's been going through a series on you start a new series but they just finished a series and he was going through talking about laying hands on the sick and he says you know what there, there's, it very well may be that death may be the healing process for some of us you know what the Bible says that death where is your sting Jesus took it away. He gave. There's nothing. There's nothing that can happen to us. John's beheaded. The kingdom continues. James is beheaded. The kingdom continues. I was just reading about Stephen and the miraculous that was going on in his life. I was thinking to myself, God, you were doing such miraculous signs and wonders in his life. And then they stoned him. The kingdom of God continues. Whether I live or I die, the kingdom will continue. God tonight says, listen, you are the perpetuator of my kingdom. Bring it everywhere you go. Bring my kingdom to where you live. Oh, Lord, I will exalt.